Well, thanks for coming this afternoon. I know that uh, it's kind of winding down a little bit, and uh, the the, uh, weekend has been a very productive weekend, but certainly a very long one. I don't know about you, but I'm tired. I'm whooped. (laughs) It's been fun, though. I think we've made a lot of progress. With um, I know you all have seen some great stuff here at the show, and uh, I've been real excited to be a part of it and to present kind of a little different angle on health care. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Dan Moore. And I'm a veterinarian from Tennessee, long way from here, but it sure is beautiful weather here. I was expecting cold or something. Every time I come north, it's always cold, but this time it was gorgeous. But um, I have a little different twist on health care. I'm not your traditional veterinarian anymore. I used to practice regular veterinary medicine. I had a couple practices, four veterinarians that worked with me, um, practiced till 1992, uh, just conventional veterinary medicine. You know, you're, like you'd go to your vet, it's what you'd get with me. Um, since then, uh, 92, I sold my clinics. Actually, didn't practice for a few years, and that kind of allowed me to step back from the rat race of making a living in traditional veterinary medicine and see what else there might be out there. And um, some things have changed in my life too that opened my mind a little bit more to some other some other uh, modalities, some other healthcare um, situations. Ways maybe a better way to do things other than drugs and steroids. And I sure used a lot of those in my traditional veterinary practice. Um, you know, it kind of hit me right between the eyes one day during this transition period that I really don't heal anything. Um, I might help the body heal. I might, um, you know, provide something for the body to heal with. But for the most part, healing is either from within or above. And uh, then I really stepped back and I said, well, what can I do to help? And I realized that nutrition is so critical, especially because man has interfered so much with that nutrition uh, and interfered with all the things that we're exposed to, both for ourselves and for our animals. And certainly we could trigger the body to heal itself with things like chiropractic and acupuncture and uh, some of the other modalities along those lines. That, that's basically what they do. We, we, most of us think it's chiropractic is actually manipulating the bones and so on. And it's not really. It's just, um, it's really like, just to give you a little idea, a quick analogy of uh, chiropractic. If you can imagine the spinal cord being like a garden hose, okay, and there being a kink in that garden hose, where the nervous energy or whatever's flowing through there didn't flow quite properly. But with chiropractic, you're basically just setting up a vibration to kind of get that kink out. Uh, And and it's incredible what you can do. Like if you had kind of each vertebrae is kind of like a breaker in a box, uh, a breaker box in a house where you buy one breaker that controls the kitchen and one that controls the lights in the living room and so on. If you have one kink, one breaker that's blown, might not have the right nervous energy or blood flow or anything to the kitchen, so the lights are out. So we just go through and we cut the, get the breakers working again. But that's the kind of stuff I turned my nose up to. I had no idea what chiropractic was, just as for instance. And we're going to talk about salt and minerals, but to kind of give you where I'm coming from, just a little different twist on health care. Um, chiropractic, I remember my mother, I came home from vet school one weekend and my mother had a back problem and she said, I think I'm going to go to the chiropractor. And I said, gosh, Mom, please don't go to them. They're just quacks. You know, and that's all I knew. That's what we were taught in vet school pretty much. And um, 
and now I am one <laughs> as far as veterinary medicine goes. So my thought is, thought process has changed so much. At one time in my career, I thought Purina had all the answers as far as health care, nutrition wise. You know, I didn't even recommend vitamins for puppies at one time. I certainly didn't focus anything nutrition-wise on horses. Um, dairy cows, yeah, we'd balance the ration, you know, for the energy and protein and so on and so forth. That was pretty much the extent of it. Um, more nutrition in dairy cows and horses at that time. And I think that's kind of the way it is today. There's very little... Um, that the average horse person or the average veterinarian does nutrition-wise in horses. We still pretty much leave it up to the to the drug companies, uh, to the feed manufacturers and so on to tell us what we need to feed our horses. And I think that's led to some major problems today in our horses. And I think you'll agree with me that our horse is not as healthy as it used to be. I mean, I have no question about that. You know, why? Why does a horse have a problem being around a possum manure? You know, you know, I've heard of possum fever or EPM. You know, it's if they were exposed to the protozoan in their possum, then it can affect the spinal cord. They can become paralyzed and on, on, on. Well, my goodness, the horse has been a co-mingling with the possum for millions of years. You know, why in the last 20 years do we have that problem? What have we done to our horses? Um, why our horses have so many allergies today? Good gracious, laminitis, allergies for sure. I mean, a horse allergic to flies? That makes no sense. I mean, they're designed to live in the wild, you know, to live outside. Of course, you know, we have higher fly populations now because we've confined them more and and so on and so forth. But allergies just amaze me. You know, allergies wasn't even a word in the dictionary until the Industrial Revolution. Uh, It's definitely related to pollutants and things in the air and things that we breathe and things that we eat and and why do we vaccinate our horses so much today? That kind of blows my mind. You know, when was the last time you were vaccinated? You know, and yet we're vaccinating our horses every year, twice a year sometimes, and for everything that comes out under the sun, you know, potomac fever, West Nile, Eastern and Western cephalomyelitis, tetanus, rabies, I mean, rhinopneumonitis, on and on and on and on. And I can't help but think that these and maybe our dewormers and, and so on and so forth that we use on a just because basis have attributed to a lot of problems. And that's the rest of my knowledge. We're here today to talk about minerals. But I wanted to um, just kind of give you some uh, an overview of where I've been and where I've looked at, looked at what I've looked at. But feeds in general... Um, Let's look at those because I think that's critical when anytime we talk about minerals, you know, our feeds today have to be fortified with vitamins and minerals and salt. Because they're not going to get any vitamins or minerals, for instance, from the grains that we put in there. They're going to get some, but very little. Very, very little. Um, because pretty much all we're putting on the fields is nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus, which is like 10-10-10 fertilizer, or 20-10-10, or 10-10-20, nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus. So they're, and our soils have been farmed so much over the years that they're pretty much deficient in vitamins and minerals and so on. And all we're putting back are these three, pretty much. And what happened to all those other minerals on the periodic chart that we learned in high school? How are they related? What are they? What is their importance? We don't really know. We're just now discovering how beneficial selenium is. We knew at one time, for years, we thought it was just toxic. 
know, a toxic thing. And it is toxic if you get too much of it. But in the right amounts, it's incredible. I mean, uh, an antioxidant beyond belief in men prevents prostate cancer and who knows what else. And there's thousands of studies to show that. But even today, the selenium that we get in our, in our selenium vitamin E mixes are pretty much uh, a waste product of copper mining. It's called selenite or selenate. And it is a waste product of copper mining, often contaminated with arsenic, heavy metals. And when I realized this, then I started looking at other minerals and what contaminants do we have there? What about the fertilized themselves? You know, are there contaminants there? And yes, there are many times heavy metals in these fertilizers. And now I don't have a problem with aluminum from the ground, and I don't have a problem with mercury from the ground. You know, for the most part, your natural sources of minerals are okay, except for some, obviously, in excess. But but what I'm talking about is is contamination from other industries, like our fertilizers are made for instance, as from waste products of other industries in many cases. Um, New Jersey, I mentioned this morning, uh, I heard one professor, a veterinarian from Kentucky, uh, talking about New Jersey being a toxic waste dump as far as fertilizers goes. And look at all the garden vegetables that are grown in New Jersey. I mean, it's the garden state. And there, according to Dr. Haley at the University of Kentucky, uh, he wouldn't eat anything from New Jersey because of the, the pollutants that they have in their, in their minerals, in their fertilizer and so on. And what have our horses been exposed to along the way, you know, the, the feed-wise and so on. Uh, minerals themselves are often full of heavy metals, bottom line. Um, the supplements that we feed our horses, according to another veterinarian at the University of Kentucky that I've seen some tremendous research from, uh, he feels like many of our mineral supplements that we give our horses today are full of heavy metals, uh, like aluminum and lead and arsenic. And I was talking to Doc here earlier about saddlebreds. One thing that I used to see in show horses a lot was shifting leg lamenesses. You know, they'd be lame in this leg one time and then lame in another leg the next time. And never could pin it down. And when I finally was open to some other method of diagnostics rather than just looking at them, and I started doing hair analysis on these guys. And what I found in almost every case in these shifting leg lamenesses, when I would send off some of the main and, and they'd analyze it and I'd see all the minerals in there, so I'd find contaminants from heavy metals, especially aluminum. Aluminum, for instance, pulls calcium out of the bones and could deposit it in other areas in the body. And so, you know, chances are we were dealing with calcium deposits in various parts of the body. And then when we corrected those minerals through uh, like a customized mix based on what that analysis showed, the problem went away. I and mean, we fixed lamenesses like crazy just by correcting the minerals and getting rid of the junk. You know, we'd use uh, antioxidants to get rid of the junk. We'd use malic acid to get rid of these contaminants, things like that. And malic acid is what's in, al- in, in apples. It's not a chemical or anything. But um, pectin, things like that. So we'd use that kind of stuff to get rid of the junk. And it was pretty, pretty significant in doing that. But then um, time went on. I stopped doing hair analysis. For one, I found a better way. But also because... With uh, even though we'd customize the mix, we'd come back a year later, and sometimes it'd be out of balance even more. You know, another thing would be out. We tip the scales the other way. But 
I got some tremendous knowledge from it from all the heavy metals. And um, a veterinarian actually led me to a source of minerals that has allowed us to not put these heavy metals back in these horses anymore. Again, most of your man-made products are just that. Other industries, leftovers, often contaminated. He actually led me to a source of mineral that was in the desert that used to be an ocean zillions of years ago. So every mineral is in there known to man and uh, not all the heavy metals. Now the beauty of that is, what I also learned there is that that there were probably micronutrients in there that we have overlooked over the years. Because when man makes a product, he only puts this and that and so on and so forth. And there's a lot of these other micronutrients that are so important in these mineral processes. I mean, who knows that ruthenium, one little tiny metal on that periodic chart, what it's truly responsible for. It could be the total responsibility could have the total responsibility to prevent cancer. Cesium, for instance. Cesium is known to prevent cancer. Okay? And we don't talk about cesium in our mineral mixes. You know? Um, Borium. Um, That's a big one. My goodness, that is tremendous for uh, joints. Silicon, tremendous for joints. I don't mean like the silicon like you put around your tub, but, you know, a natural source of silicon is tremendous for joints and for connective tissue and, and so on and so forth. So the point there is, you know, if we don't know about it, or if it's maybe even a, a mineral or a micronutrient that we haven't discovered yet, how can we put it in a man-made mix? So we keep tending to go back to what Mother Nature has to offer, like I say, the natural source of salt and minerals, and it's incredible what these things do for the health of the horse. The difference, I had a guy come to me the other day at the booth and he was taught, he had a big, a huge boarding situation in fact, and he was talking about some of his boarders just wouldn't use the natural salt and mineral. They used, you know, man-made free choice stuff. And he said, I do not understand it. He said, you can go out there and the difference is like night and day. You know, those that are on the natural salt and mineral, they're, they've already shed out, they're dark coats. He said the blacks are black, the golds are gold, and on and on and on. He said the others, they hadn't even shed it out yet. And, you know, if that's the kind of differences I'm talking about. I can't document anything there. I can't tell you why they're much better, except that somebody besides man made them. That's probably the, the best way to put it. And in the, this process, I truly learned what I think is the most significant thing healthcare-wise, even besides the heavy metals and so on and so forth, the most significant thing healthcare-wise for your horses. And that is the relationship of potassium to your horse's healthcare. And what I've discovered was because of all these fertilizers that we use in our horses, um, that potassium in certain situations can absolutely be deadly to your horse just from the fertilizer itself. And I kind of discovered that almost by mistake and that is I used a bunch of potash on our pastures one year and I can't tell you how many mares I had aboard from the potash. Well, potash is potassium. Okay? And I was told it's a cheap source of fertilizer. You know, when I bought in the store and, and I mean most most of our mares aboard now they weren't on it when we put it out there it was later in the year when they aborted and then another veterinarian at actually at the University of Kentucky 
shared with me what he felt about salt and minerals. It was just life-altering healthcare-wise for these horses. And he said, most horses today, most cattle, most animals in general, do not get enough salt. They just don't get enough salt. Or they get too much to feed with other contaminants, but full of heavy metals. But he said most animals don't get enough salt. And the reason they don't get enough salt is they can't get enough salt by the way we give it to them. He shared that they cannot get enough salt, period, through a block. Not even cows. Not even, and certainly not horses, because horses are not liquors. Cows are. This is a pathologist talking. And he, of all the cases over the dozens of years that he has practiced, he has seen salt deprivation, actually almost a, um, I mean a life-threatening death situation numerous times, over and over and over again. And the point he was making is that horses just can't get what they need from a block. And yet most horse owners use blocks. Almost everybody. They take salt for granted. You know, they just have a salt block out, they look at it every now and then, and, you know, once the rain washes it away, they go get another one. And that's pretty much all we do as far as salt. And minerals, too, for the most part. We take for granted what the feed companies put in their feed, and that's pretty much what we do. Or we add some kind of supplement, like vitamin E, selenium at the very least, maybe a vitamin supplement that, again, would be a man-made product. But back to the blocks. He also informed me, he said, I've studied blocks for years, and he said, what I discovered is what makes these red blocks, mineral blocks red, is iron oxide. Okay, iron oxide. Uh, and then he, he went on to say, iron oxide, by the way, t- I, I knew this, he said, iron oxide ties up all the other minerals anyway, the trace minerals, so they're totally useless, which I already knew. But what he informed me was the reason they use iron oxide is years ago when they didn't have good mixers, iron o- because iron o- oxide is red, when they were thoroughly mixed good, they were all red, you know, they could tell how to how mix, how well it was mixed. But I guess somehow along the way, through the years, we've all just forgotten that iron oxide ties up the trace minerals anyway, and we just keep using them. So they're even more useless than the salt blocks. He also informed me that salt is usually made for industrial use, that horses consume so little that they're not enough, you know, they don't make salt for horses, so to speak. It's industrial salt. It's killed dried, it's bleached, it's actually dead. So, and then we went on further, and he he actually led me to the source of the natural minerals without the heavy metals and so on and so forth. But he made another comment that absolutely blew me away. When these mares were all boarding down in Kentucky a few years ago, several, five, six years ago, he said when he took away the salt blocks and the mineral blocks from these farms and he replaced it with natural salt and mineral, the mares stopped aborting on these farms. Now that's phenomenal. I mean, and he said, I just can't get the word out. They're doing all this research on caterpillars and all this stuff and nobody will listen to me. You know, and, and it got so bad with them trying to spread to where they actually took him from his position as the pathologist. Been there 30 years now, a long time, and put him in the back burner somewhere where he couldn't even talk to people anymore. Now, I know that for a fact because I was talking to a mineral company owner later who told me the whole story. 
And he was talking negative about it. He's saying all this stuff about potassium and this and that, which I'm going to get to in a minute. And they put him on the back burner. But I'm telling you, the knowledge that I got from this guy, he since had a heart attack, but and gone, but and anyway, I think he died, I'm not sure. But anyway, the knowledge that I got from him was unreal to me. Because I, I actually then took it one step further, and I started thinking, well, now, why do, why do horses usually have a problem and a weather change? You know, why do they cough? Why do horses just suddenly have laminitis for no reason have a blue? You know, why can't a horse be on grass? And what about these grazing muggles? What about all these other problems that we're seeing that just occur acutely? Botulism in horses. Always been on my mind because that botulism we were taught in vet school that there was something dead in the hay or dead in the grass or something some way that they were exposed to that botulism organism I never found anything dead you know the case of the botulism I could never find anything dead in the hay or field or anything and then black legging cattle another situation you know it occurs in the spring it's a clostridium type organism pretty similar to botulism well, what usually happens in the spring grass is nice lush and green and anyway bottom line is what I discovered was the grass changes hour to hour to hour when the weather changes when the barometer changes the grass changes if the grass thinks it's going to die it sucks potassium up from the ground because that's how it brings the water up into the plant. That's how why they use the fertilizer to begin with, so it's nice and lush and green. When it does that, and it, and it does this, um, you know, differences when the weather changes, it changes. If your horse is exposed to that excess potassium, and he can't balance that with a big gulp of free choice loose salt and mineral versus licking himself to death on a block, that potassium changes the gut acidity, just like that. And what would be normal, healthy gut bacteria can become deadly. And actually, the botulism organisms are probably already in the gut, in my opinion. They just become alive. They become a problem, and you can have botulism. Or on a less serious situation, you could have such a creation of these toxic bacteria that it actually causes an endotoxic-type shock. You know, because that's basically what laminitis is. It affects its circulation in the feet, and you can have abscesses in the feet, and so on and so forth. Everything pretty much starts in the gut and the horse, in my opinion. Everything. Because it's the first line of defense. It's what keeps the horse healthy. It's what filters out the good from the bad, filters out the toxins, you know, and so on and so forth. Can you picture what I'm talking about here as far as the potassium? And then and let's think about the winter. You know, all this hay, all this beautiful hay that we feed for the most part, if you'll analyze it, it's like 12, 15, 20% potassium. It's way up there. So we got this horse that's on this chronically high level of potassium all winter long. And then along comes the spring with the grass and the potassium issue. And, you know, they're okay here, but then suddenly you get a surge of potassium and they just can't tolerate it. Even if your pastures aren't fertilized, you know, they're already high, but then they can still get some from the ground. Does that make any sense at all? I mean, it is, and I say that confident that that, in my, now, is the biggest cause of laminitis, the biggest cause of tolerance that I've seen. Because we fixed it. You know, when you feed them free choice loose salt and minerals, I don't know of any horse that has that, and I'm sure there's some, but it's 
unbelievable how much it's prevented these problems. And those are the biggest problems we see. There's laminitis and, and, and colic and so on. Life-threatening anyway. And it's just, and actually it's the, but it's not just regular salt and minerals. You know, not, not even just regular free choice salt and mineral. The difference is the natural source with all the others, micronutrients in it that we probably hadn't even discovered. But I do think that even free choice regular loose salt and minerals is better than blocks because they just can't get what they need from the block. And you had a question. Good question. They said, does it have anything to do with them eating dirt? They eat dirt, don't they? I mean, if you have, if you're on a trail and there's a special pocket of dirt, I mean, that horse is going to eat that dirt. I mean, I've had them actually try to take the reins from your hand to eat that dirt. You turn them out into the into the to the ring, well, they go eat dirt. I, I truly think they're looking for things that they're not getting in the man-made products. Um, I had a story on that. We had a mayor uh, last year that we had to do a cesarean on. We took her to the University of Tennessee, and they did it there. And she was there for about a month. We lost the baby, but we saved the mayor. She's an older mayor, and it's just one of those things. I probably shouldn't have bred her, but she had a couple champions, and just one more baby, you know. So anyway, it cost me an arm and a leg, and I lost a beautiful baby. But the mayor survived. But she's blind. Long story. But anyway, while she was there, I forgot. I did not take any of her red cow. That's our free choice loose salt of minerals. And all she had was a red salt block. Didn't even hit me. I didn't have it there until I got back home a month later. Brought her home, and she just wasn't doing good. That when I first brought her home, she just still wasn't eating. You know, just expected her to be a lot better than she was. She still had her belly wrap and everything on, but she just wasn't quite up to par. I said, well, maybe if I just let her have a little grass. And I took her outside, and just and she started leading me until she found an area that she wanted. And I thought it you know, wasn't even the best grass. In fact, it was the worst grass. And she just started digging the dirt up, the grass up by the roots, pulling it up by the roots. And she had holes about that big around, about that deep that her muzzle would fit in. And she was eating the dirt, just eating it. And then she'd go dig another hole and eating the dirt. And I've actually got my phone and started videoing this because I was fascinated with these natural minerals and so on. You know, she started eating the next that evening, that night, and picked up, and she's been fine ever since. So we're just missing it in our diets, in our horses, in my opinion, without providing Mother Nature's something, and I don't really know what. But I do. I will say this: that when I look at different uh, cancer-type products, and there's tons of them out there versus the chemotherapy and all that, but, you know, like internet-type um, home cures or whatever, almost all of them have a, a group of minerals right there around cesium, and that molybdenum, borium, that are in those remedies. You know, there's something about those minerals that we're just missing that we just don't know enough about. So I've just been fascinated with minerals ever since. And then, of course, that led to vaccinations and all the heavy metals that we get exposed to through the vaccinations, and that's a whole other story. We don't really need to go there right now, but I do think we over-vaccinate over horses tremendously. I mean, I don't vaccinate anything for anything anymore, but um, that's they're just full of heavy metals. And if you've got children of vaccination age, please check into the problems with vaccinations. I saw a commercial on TV the other day that just absolutely floored me. 
I believe the numbers were this. It showed a, it was a real short commercial, and it was a picture of um, a child in a car seat, and it said their chances of a fatal car accident was 1 in 266,000. showed that same child their chances of autism was 1 in 161. Now, CDC, the government, drug companies, they will swear it has nothing to do with vaccines. But I could put you in front of a conference right now of doctors that will swear otherwise. So if nothing else, consider that. If you have, if I had to vaccinate my kids today, you'd have to take me to the Supreme Court. You'd have to put me in jail. You'd have to line me up and shoot me down first before you vaccinated my kids today, knowing what I know about vaccines today. So anyway... The single most healthy thing you can do for your children, for children, now my children, the horses, in my opinion, is to provide a free choice, loose salt and mineral, preferably a natural source, preferably ours. But but um, that's the single most healthy thing you can do. Throw away your salt blocks. Throw away your mineral block. The second thing to look at mineral-wise is to look at that feed. What's in that feed? And I want to give you this analogy. Your commercial companies, they have to assume certain things when they produce a feed. They have to maybe, let's say, assume that a perfect horse, a 1,000-pound horse, for instance, is going to eat 5 pounds a day. And if they eat 5 pounds a day, they're going to get the vitamins and minerals and enzymes and whatever else they fortify that with. Now, they have to do that because the the grains themselves are deficient. So the perfect horse, 1,000 pounds, they're going to get what they need, for instance. They eat 5 pounds a day. What if you have an easy keeper? What's the first thing you're going to do with an easy keeper? Cut the feedback. Maybe do a pound a day. Maybe do a handful, maybe cut it out. But the first thing you're going to do is cut it back. And when you cut, let's say he eats a pound instead of that five pounds, is he not getting one-fifth of everything that that feed was fortified with? That's the spark plugs of health. You know, the vitamins, the minerals. That's what makes all the enzymes work. That's what makes every reaction in the body work. Um, They're involved in the metabolism, if you would, of the body. So that negatively affects the metabolism even more so that they become more of an easy keeper. Possibly. On the other end, if you have a hard keeper, I had a whole group of people this morning who we were talking about cribbing, and I, I was using that analogy down there, and I said, whoa, it's the wrong group, because they're all cribbing, you know, they're using all their energy cribbing, they're the hard keepers. Well, the hard keepers are the same way, they're just getting more of everything, they're getting out of balance even more. Does that make sense? And that's the way it is with commercial feeds. There's other problems with them. We talked about fats the other day and hydrogenated fats, processed fats and all that, which is killing us and killing our horses. But can you see how just if you just look at the mineral aspect alone of those feeds, how it's very difficult with a commercial feed to figure out to get them right. Because some horses eat a little and some horses eat a lot. And if you've got more than one horse, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, we have a stallion that might eat, you know, a big bucket a day and we've got others that just get a little. So what's the answer there? You know, what's the answer to these commercial feeds? They're very convenient. They're easy to use. They're they're cheaper. I think they're cheaper for a reason sometimes. You know, because pellets, my goodness, who knows what's in a pellet. Of course, corn today is going to go on sky high because of this um, 
ethanol, which I don't know what that's going to do to our steak prices and our food prices and our cattle prices. I don't know what's going to happen there. It makes no sense to me. But anyway, um, what what is the um, the situation there? You know, what are what what do we do? How do we feed them? Uh, pellets. I don't know any horse that eats anything that's cooked in the wild. Put it that way. And what I don't care what you say. What goes in to make a pellet, unless it's just a pressed pellet, but most of them are cooked or something. Uh, or extruded and even it's even worse because they are definitely cooked you know it's not what comes out the other end I mean there's changes to the enzymes especially where they're not as functional as what goes in but anyway so what do you do what's the answer to feed um, what I found that's best for these metabolic horses for these diabetic uh, insulin resistant horses um, any horse I don't care what they are what I've found is the most natural, the most successful for me. And even show horses, I mean, we, we have six horses in training showing every weekend. We have, we have a mountain horse that if all goes well will be in, in the World Games in 2010. Demonstration for dressage in between the other dressage. Now, there's a, mountain, a gated mountain horse. Now, how about that? Yes. That stallion that's on the front of that magazine. You should see him on TV in a few years. Paul goes well. So what do, so what do we feed these horses? Um, we feed oats. I can't tell you how many thousands of horses I've been able to help just by feeding oats. Now there's some problem with oats. Just like there are corn or any other grain. They don't have what they need either vitamin-wise. But the beauty of just feeding oats is you can feed a horse one pound or ten pounds or five pounds, whatever amount they need, and then you can add the vitamins, minerals back to those oats to get them right. You, know, you supplement. In other words, you have a horse that eats one pound, you can still get a half ounce of supplement. You have a horse that eats five pounds, you can still get then a half a scoop, a half a scoop of supplement. Or ten pounds, he's still getting his supplement. But he's getting what he needs, vitamins, minerals, and enzyme-wise, in my opinion. And then also the same in the oil. You can put the oil on there. Instead of the hydrogenated processed fats like in the feed, you can put a good, a good fat, you know, a good oil. Not corn oil, not things like that. But we use unprocessed, crude, unrefined soybean oil. That's what we found. The key is not hydrogenated, not processed. That's the key. But then they're getting what they need, vitamin, mineral, enzyme, and that alone, just that, just that, you know, correcting, you know, feeding oats, we call it just that oats as a supplement, and the oil, H2 oil is the oil, that's our brand, our product, with the free choice loose salt and mineral has fixed most, most problems, at least greatly, greatly helped, but I don't care if it was a uh, carbohydrate, um, metabolic syndrome, or whatever. So I'll shut up now for a minute and let me ask. You can throw darts at me if you like. <laughs> That's an excellent question. Crimped oats are about 6% more efficient than whole oats. However, once you crimp an oat, you're cutting the hull. Okay, you're, you know, you're snipping the ends off or, or roll them. You're actually cracking the hull. And cracking the hull on an oat is kind of like cutting a an apple in half, it's going to start turning brown. It's going to start oxidizing, going rancid, if you would, the minute you cut it. In the same way with oats. So, the 6% more efficiency, in my opinion, is probably not worth it. Unless you can get them fresh. Now, I've heard that there's 
you know, some farms around here where the almonds will crimp them right on. We used to crimp oats on the farm. That was great because they were fresh. But most crimped oats that you would buy in the store might have been sitting there for six months or so. Uh, now, Purina does have a steam crimped oat that is, uh, they don't actually crimp them. They're just washed in steam, which I think is pretty good. The, the key to oats is clean oats. Doc, did you have something to say? Well, uh, I think if you, if you have your small crimper, crimp it, yeah. meal before. Sure. There you go. That's great. That's, uh, that's exactly right. No question. I agree with that. Because it is more efficient, yeah. but the average person just can't do that. You know, a bigger farm could. What, yes. What creative uh, do you need? 40 cat weight, 44, 46? I think. 32 is a yeah. I haven't found. A, Sweet. Yeah, I mean, just to. That's the nice thing about oats. You can look at them, and if they're oats and good and clean, that's the key. Then you can judge them versus judging the pellet. Yeah. So the key is just a good, clean, good-looking oat. Yes. No more than anything else would, because the problem with your senior feeds and your pellets and so on, you know, they they're they're full of junk fats. You know, they're really high in fat, so you wind up having problems. Anyway, the biggest problem with the teeth and older horses, in my opinion, that I've seen, is if they've got a smiley face, they're not getting what they need from the food. If you look at them straight on and you see the incisors where the... And I don't know why veterinarians miss this, but they do. They just, you know, they focus on the back and they forget the incisors. And they chew, grind side to side. And if they've got a smiley face, there's no way in the world they can chew anything grind anything. So if you have a horse that plays with hay, or you know, dips his hay in the water first, or hay out of his mouth, or leaves hay in the you know, grain in the bucket, things like that, you need to look at the teeth. But I haven't had an issue with older horse and oats, as long as they have the supplements and the oil to go with them. And that oil actually slows that absorption down too, so you don't have sugar highs and sugar lows, which is important. Have you done a diet I have seen several horses without teeth, and there you just leave them soaking in the oil just a little bit longer than just feeding it to them immediately. And they can get it down pretty good. And you know, even if you see oat holes in the stool, which you might for the first little while, but with the right enzymes and so on to begin with, if they're got, that gut's going to get adjusted to it. So, and sure beats the corn. And the other sugar, yeah, and the molasses or the beet pulp. I, I don't like beet pulp. I just it worries me because it's a root. They use pesticides on beets. Roots accumulate pesticides. They're often full of. You know, they add molasses to them, and beets would have a tendency to have more sugar anyway, unless they refine it and take it out. And then what do you have left anyway? So I just have a problem with beet pulp. Yes. What do you think about like I don't like molasses. It's sugar. Anytime you have a sugar spike, you've got a, an insulin production. And anytime you have an insulin production, you're just like driving a nail in the coffin. And it, and with us, with horses, with whatever. Because insulin is actually in some species, in flies and yeast, scientifically speaking, they use insulin as an aging marker. The higher the resting insulin, the shorter the lifespan. Now, we all, most people think of insulin as a good thing, but insulin is not good. It's, it's good for the body, what it needs. But excess insulin, um, I, I think it's directly related to aging for us, too. And I think that's one of our big problems in our diets today because, we're, because of the fats. Fats affect the cells where they can't get the nutrition in and junk out, and then the insulin causes uh, um, 
like I say, it's damaged kidneys, nerves, and everything else. You know, most of your diabetics have all kinds of neuropathies, right? And then you have a sugar low anytime you have a sugar high. If you have molasses, you have a sugar high and then a sugar low. The sugar low kicks in the adrenal glands, the body's starving to death. It's going to do anything it can to get the sugar back up. So you have another sugar spike, kind of like us eating a donut for breakfast. You know, sugar high, 1030, a sugar low. Well, our horses are in the stall. They're not getting fed again at 1030. So they're, you think about training a horse at 1030 with a sugar low in the morning, just to, you know, and that, an example. A person that's working a job, they're going to go have a break usually at that time so they can go drink their high fructose corn syrup soft drink to get the sugar back up again. They have another sugar high and then a sugar low and a sugar high, sugar low all day long. Just the highs and the lows wear the body out so there's no reserves left. Then along comes the stress and what's the weak links in the horse? The gut or the feet usually or some other issue. Not to mention all the insulin resistance that's created along the way. Did you have a question? seems like horses and people eat the same things. It's just that because of the differences in diets, we don't get what we need just from what we eat. Absolutely. But I guess it sounds like a lot of times we treat our horses like we would treat ourselves. We need to give horses different things than we would. I guess that's what you're trying to convey to us. Well, the difference is horses... An omnivore, I'm out, well, I mean, they're, uh, herbivore, they're going to eat the grains, okay? And we eat it all, okay? But the, none of our food, uh, no, some of us, right? Some of, most of our foods today either have too much of what we don't need or not enough of what we do need, whether it's for horse or man. And it's so processed. The processing of food is really what's killing us. Right. You're going to get iron. Exactly. Horses don't do that. And not only that, but if we eat red, if, well, if we have the excess iron, you probably heard these studies, haven't you, about iron and heart attacks in men? And iron is directly related to heart attacks in men, or women too, for that matter. But the higher the iron, the more chances are you are of having a, a heart attack. And that information has been known since the 50s. Now, why it was suppressed and covered up, my only theory is because bypasses make them more money. But, I mean, you know, premenopausal women have less chances of heart attack than postmenopausal women because they get blood every month, you know, through the menstrual cycle. Yep. Well, that's a good issue or a good point because in soybeans you get a lot of. I think there's a difference in the bean and the oil. And I, I'm not too fond of it. I'm not too fond of it. And and I don't think we have the issues in horses from the oil that people talk about soybeans in people. Like the phytoestrogen issue, the um, uh, thyroid issue, and so on. I think because that's it's just a different species and it's oil versus soybeans. Versus soy, not just soy oil. Um, we've had very good luck with soybean oil in horses, as long as it's crude, unrefined, unprocessed, and so on. Very good luck. Yes. Oh yeah, the oil's fantastic. Yeah. I've covered a bunch. Has this been helpful at all? I don't know, Doc. I, I don't. We don't have much soybean anyway in our part of the country, so we don't use it much. Have you had good luck with it? No. It, it, we get. Yeah, it's better than. 
trying to discharge through the skin. So we tend to think of just the kidneys and the fecal material as methods of discharge. But we forget the skin. A rash on the skin, in most cases, is the body trying to get rid of something. I mean, it might be a bee sting toxin, or it might be, you know, some other toxin. Maybe something from chemicals that they've been exposed to, or in the feed, or whatever. So I'm not quick to just go slap a, you know, a salve, especially a steroid-type salve, on a fungus, or even to use betadine anymore, or iodine, or captan, you know, fungicides, or anything on the skin because I feel like I might be interfering with the body's discharge. So I've kind of approached it from a different angle. We have some topicals to kind of help, but I'm, based on the research I've done, they don't interfere. Like we have a product made from marigold flowers and beeswax. That doesn't interfere with the body's discharge. Um, but I tend to focus on the body itself to help the body get rid of the stuff. So we'll load them up on a super potent antioxidant. We have a product called Health Check. And even our joint check has a health check in it. Because anytime you have a joint issue, you have inflammation, byproducts, waste products you've got to get rid of. So we focus on antioxidants and things to help the liver clean. Because that is the fuel filter of the body, basically. Help the body to clean out all this junk. Get rid of the free radicals, if you would, as well as um, just detox in general, rather than just treat the symptoms like you would in most allergies. And that's what most traditional medicine does today, is just treat the symptoms. But we back up and we go right to the feed, and we get the feed, get that horse on the oats, just that oats, the oil, natural salt and mineral. Our health check product helps get the horse cleaned out, okay, from an antioxidant point of view, get rid of whatever he might be hypersensitized to, and then we do have another product called Hour Check to kind of get him over the hump. It has some extra ingredients in it as well. Of course, it's in arabinogalactan, that's from the western larch tree, it's just a super immune modulator to help boost the immune system or lessen it, does whatever it needs. And that will fix most allergies, and I don't think I've ever had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of allergies. So we don't use steroids. We don't use antihistamines. But yet the grape seed that's in some of the, the products that we have is, an, is a natural antihistamine. But it's a natural source versus a chemical. And then bug check, that helps keep the bugs off. Bottom line as far as you keep the bugs off and keep the immune system in pretty good shape, and you've got a pretty healthy horse. And our bug check does that, keeps the bugs off. Yeah. Excellent question. Why don't I like corn? Uh, and what hay is the best? Uh, corn is uh, has the same glycemic index as sugar. So a tablespoon of corn is equal to a tablespoon of sugar as far as the effects on the body. Um, and you've probably heard of glycemic index on TV. It's, uh, it's been around for a long time, but comparing things to sugar. Because you don't want anything that has that sugar response because you get the insulin production that's very high in sugar. But corn also feeds the inflammatory process. Sugar feeds inflammation. So any any inflammatory process, you don't want to feed with more sugar, whether it's molasses, corn, or whatever. Now oats, you know, you've all heard oats have carbs, and yes, they do have carbs. But that oil slows that absorption down, so they're not. You don't have the effects. Any any other questions? Yep. Oh, hey, thanks.
Uh, hay is just a, it's a personal preference. I, I like uh, Timothy and orchard grass personally um, and supplement the mares and the babies and the others that need it with uh, alfalfa. That's what works best. And by the way, alfalfa might, long term, might affect the kidneys. It's pretty high protein from this new fertilized stuff. And I don't think it's the protein in it as much as it is the fertilizing this alfalfa. Make sense? So. Do you have a free choice mineral that you can put out uh, without any grain? You can get super in the pasture. Yes. Do you have a free choice mineral that yes. you can put It's awesome. It's called Red Cow. It's just it's the one that we got from the desert. It's actually from three different desert, three sources. Florida, out west, and then in Tennessee. Three like prehistoric seabeds combined. And it's so simple because it, you just literally just hang a bucket on a fence post, a regular feed bucket with a hay string, make sure there's a little in it all the time. When it rains on it, it even makes it better because it, you just pour the water off the top and what's left in the bottom is just uh, like a dry mud, like a clay. But they can still get a big gulp of it to balance out the potassium like we were talking about. But... Uh, they can get all they need, in other words, and they can't even because it's like a clay and sticks to the bucket. They can't even dump it out. Pretty, pretty neat. And you never waste any of them. You see the empty, the bottom, bottom of the bucket, add a little fresh, and never even have to wash the bucket. I like that too. <laughs> yeah. You got a bunch of, and it's so critical that when when we have a front moving in on our farm, we actually absolutely. Travel. I mean, make sure, absolutely make sure that that bag of red cows on the feed cart as we go from pasture to pasture feeding, and make sure that they that they have it in the in the, in the bucket because I think that's the critical time is when the weather changes. As far as the grass goes, yes, ma'am. Yes. Yeah. We have taken that same product and we added extra magnesium to it. For, because there's no, it's unequivocal that magnesium is helping these. And there's no question about this magnesium helping these um, hypothyroid insulin resistant cushion horses. Yeah. No. No, but you can. Oh yes, absolutely. It's fine for all of them. Yes. So we just need to get you the magnesium version. We can do that. Yes. Chromium is excellent for these horses, these insulin resistant horses. Now, in this product, there's a natural source of chromium. We do have, for the, your hypothyroid, insulin-resistant, Cushing's horses, you know, fat, overweight, crested neck, what we talked about will take care of most of them. You know, the oats, just that oats, the H2 oil, the red cow, free choice. That'll take care of most of them. And, of course, I'd use the high mag version on the fat horses. But then we do have another product that we call Critical Care Hypothyroid Insulin-Resistant. It's a four-pound tub that kind of gets them over the hump. And it's loaded in chromium, loaded in magnesium, loaded in a lot of other herbs to specifically get them over the hump. We've been able to get Cushing's horses off percolite and most of these hypothyroid horses off the, the thyroid medication and everything. 
and you use that during the transition, it's expensive. It's a very expensive product. You don't need it forever. You just use it during the transition. And that's the way most of our products are designed. You know, you get the feed right with the oats, adjust that out, the oats of your and a red cow, and then if you have a hoof problem, we have a problem, a product for hooves to get them over the hump. We have a product, the health check, you know, the detox. We have a joint check for the help of the joint issues. It has everything that's in the health check, also in the joint check, but also has glucosamines, chondroitins, astragalus, boswelli, all the joint stuff. And we have a gut check if they have gut issues to get them over the gut. By the way, I'm laughing on the check. Well, the reason we have the check is we finally got a trademark, so we're kind of Nike of the horse business now. We've got, so, um, um, you can call our naturalhorsebet.com has a lot of articles and so on on it as well. We have someone at the office every day uh, taking orders till about 8.30 at night, um, you know, a complete order department where you can order online. Here at the show, um, we have a booth back in the other building, back here near the food on the back side. Just, uh, it's a corner booth. If you're scrolling that way, you'll see it in that corner uh, in the near the food. 1619. Yeah, close to the restroom. 1619. Yep. But um, anything that I can ever do to help. We have a natural health newsletter. You could sign up for that. If you come by the booth, I have a number of articles, a CD and a DVD on different health topics that we've done. Um, and uh, just don't hesitate to email me. On our website, there's an Ask a Vet click. If you have a question, just click there and it goes right to me. Uh, you can actually order right online and everything, too. So, um, I really appreciate y'all being here. Uh, it's been a great weekend. I've enjoyed it. Just a super, super group of people up here. It's just been wonderful. This is the best show we've ever had. So, you know, um, tremendous response. And I thank the people like you. Thank you very much.